0: I'm going to preach to you for about three hours, if you're new. <laughs> you're lying. Anyone? <laughs> There's always someone who's like, yes, do it anyway. You're like, you are completely lying. <sighs> Praise God. Praise God. How many appreciate Milton? I was over his house yesterday and uh, no one cooks steak like him. When I go to heaven, I'm going to cook steak just like Milton. I'll be like, Lord, why did you wait so long? I'll be up in heaven going, yes. Yes, just yes. Sorry, getting distracted from your steak, buddy. Yogi, how many appreciate Yogi? Come on, this guy. Wait, he takes the drums on. Him and his brother, I was talking to him and his brother at a youth little get together recently. I was like, man, these guys are really smart and articulate and i beat you in ping pong, but whatever. Other than that, it's fine. <laughs> Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for these moments. Holy Spirit, we love you. We praise you. I pray for our kids in Kids Church. I pray for every person watching online right now. We are just some music and sound without your touch but with your touch we are the house of God and so I declare of this place, champions, I declare of this place, your growth, your health, your life, your strength, your vision in every man, every woman. Lord, I declare, Lord, those who may be walked in discouraged, that they would be lifted in the name of Jesus, that they perhaps would exchange that heavy garment for joy and strength. I thank you, you're going to do something significant in this service right now. I thank you, the lost will be saved. I thank you, the saved to be equipped. God I thank you for it in Jesus name come on declare this with me say today, today I'll, receive I'll receive God's word I open my heart, open my heart. and I declare, I declare it will change my life, change my life as, I as I apply it open my eyes Holy Spirit, eyes, Holy Spirit. Help, help, me help me see the real Jesus, the real Jesus. and everyone said amen. amen amen God bless you guys as you sit. Grab your seat, grab your seat. Thank you, team. I want to talk to you today along this thought. This is my title. Those of you that love titles, I have a title today. The battle within and the battle without. We've been in a series called Warrior and there is a battle both within us and many times without us. We've been diving into Elijah and Elijah is one of the greatest men of God in all of the Bible. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, I've kind of touched on this in last sermon, so I'll just give you a quick summary. He has... Stood before 850 false prophets, and he has basically declared that the God who sends fire is the real God. And they sing and they dance and they pray that Baal will send fire and he doesn't. But this man who stood in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has been instructed by God to literally line these false prophets up and then to ask for fire from heaven. And the Bible says in in 1 Kings chapter uh, 17 verse 9, I believe it is. Let me see. Yes, 1 Kings... No, verse 39. There you go. Verse 39. Here's what it says When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and they cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Say that with me. The Lord, the Lord he, is he is God. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, he is God. In the Old Testament language, that would have been Yahweh, He is God, Yahweh, He is God. In the New Testament, we would say, Lord Jesus Christ is God, Lord Jesus Christ is God. They were serving false gods, they were worshipping false gods, they they went to, in essence, to church and, and they had fallen prey many times out of an alluring to a lifestyle that was pleasing to the flesh. They would get lured into that lifestyle and eventually you get lured into a lifestyle And then you start exchanging your gods. I don't know if you know this or not, but the battle of the Bible is a battle of true worship. In Isaiah 14, it speaks of the fall of Lucifer who actually desires to be above God and the Bible says when pride was found in his heart that God kicks him out of heaven and a third of the angels then fall to earth. And the first battle that you and I see in the garden in in Genesis chapter three is a battle of true worship. Someone say true true worship. In Genesis chapter four, it is Cain and Abel and there is a battle of true worship. In Noah's day, it was a battle of true worship. In Abraham's day, it was a battle of true worship. In the nation of Israel's day, it was a battle of true true worship. When Jesus showed up, it was a battle of true true worship. And then all the way to the Revelation, there's a battle of true worship. And the Bible ends with true worship. I mean, no, worship's a big deal. Worship is a big deal. See, there is a battle without, and Elijah is battling that Israel has literally fallen prey to these false gods. And the battle is always over two things. In particular, the battle is over what is God's name, and the other battle is over what is his standards. Say that with me the name of God. God. Someone say the standards of God. The false worship and the battle that you and I face is always over His name and His standards. Always, always. It's, not, it's, it's never not that. If, if you've heard people say, well, what does it matter if you know God's name? Well, what does it matter if I know your name? If I'm at the mall and I see Albert, but I, for some reason, call him Bob, how many you know he doesn't turn around? I'm like, Bob, Bob, come on. Uh, Bob's ignoring me. Why are you doing that, Bob? And he's like, don't you know who I am? My name's Albert. Albert. I'm like, but I like calling you Bob. He's like, we're not friends. We used to be friends, but I don't like you. Imagine I see Fernando from afar. And I'm like, Susie. Susie, come over here. How do you know? Even if he knows I'm calling his name, he's not turning around. It's like, why are you calling me, Susie? Please. The name of God is important. When you say Lord Jesus Christ, when when you say Jesus, be my Lord, you're saying something else isn't. You're saying you're not. You're saying no other God is. You are literally saying, Jesus, you are Lord. This is why He was so confrontational to the Romans because they had to basically declare that the head of Rome, Caesar, was Lord. It's a big deal. And then the morals of His people are important. True worship will often be over Did God really say? Genesis 3, did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? How many know you can obey the parts of the Bible that you like? (laughs) You're like, I'm so amazing at this bit. (laughs) If you're a diligent person, the Bible goes, diligence good, you're like, I'm there. How many are compassionate? You have a compassionate person. I go, I found myself. Here I am. Look at me. I'm compassionate. I love the Bible. (laughs) Some of you are generous and you like to give. Oh, there I am. But how many know it's the part of the Bible that is calling you to true worship that you and I don't always love? See, when I say I worship God, what I'm really saying is I'm swearing allegiance to. I'm actually saying I'm choosing a kingdom. I'm actually doing far more than that. I'm choosing a family. For Jesus said, who is the family of God? It is those who do the will of God. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 39, again, I'll read it again. He says, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And the nation, someone say the nation. The nation of Israel comes back to true worship at that distinct moment. See, when you declare that He's God, you are actually repenting. What is repentance? Repentance is to change one's mind. Turn to your name and say, we're all repenting. We're all repenting. It means that we're all changing our mind. The older I get, how many know my mind changes? How many know at 18 you thought you were really smart? And then you look back, it's like, what was I doing? Really? At 16, how many thought you were really smart at 16? And you look back and go, gosh, how dumb can anyone be and still walk? (laughs) But what we find in our culture is that there is a battle without us. It's not inside us. It's without us. And it's and, in, and that cultural pull is sometimes in high school, it's sometimes in college, it's sometimes in the workplace, it's sometimes in friends, it's sometimes in Instagram and social media, and sometimes as I watch Netflix, there is this pull of the world that seems to always want me to worship everything else but the true God. There's everything else seems to be echoing and calling my attention and saying, Anthony, love me, worship me. And then I find there's God saying, don't fall for it. Don't fall for this nonsense. See, the warrior must admit he's in a battle. If you've ever watched a UFC fight, how many know that both of them are getting ready? You imagine if they're filming one and he's getting ready, he's doing his thing and so forth, and the other guy's just sitting down, sipping a latte. And you're like, "What are you you getting ready? And a lot of Christians actually look like that guy sipping a latte. They don't realise they're in a battle. They don't realise they need to prepare. They don't realise that they are being suckered into a culture that is trying to dilute their worship or pervert their worship. But God is trying to wake some people up today and say, there is a fight. There's a fight for truth. There's a fight for the true Jesus. There truly is. I was reading a, uh, actually I was listening to a YouTube talk recently on something called progressive Christianity. Progressive, someone say progressive. Progressive. Someone say, I want to progress. progress. See, progress is part of the Christian journey. Growth is part of the Christian journey. But changing everything about Christianity and then calling it Christianity isn't progressive. (laughs) That's called a cult. It really is. And so it's it's like it's luring people into this false worship and it's saying, listen, Jesus is a good guy and He's a good teacher and and He might be for you, but He might not be for you. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like the Bible, does it? Yeah, but we we like we don't think... And then you, you kind of read a little further and they're like, oh, I mean, the, the Bible's got some really good stuff. It's got some occasional good stuff, but whatever you don't agree with, just cut it out. It's basically what they're doing. And, and there's definitely no place of punishment because that'd make God mean. But if God is a... How I many know it's actually unloving if a judge... Sends a criminal back out. That within the love of God has to be justice. It is unloving and unrighteous and unholy to send a rapist out. But that's not very nice. In the name of compassion, we have taken away every bit of conviction. Compassion for one, compassion for struggle, compassion for the fight that people go through. We all go through a fight. Make no mistake about it, there's a fight. We all go through it, but Compassion for one can't be compromised for everyone, can't be a lack of conviction for everyone, and in the end, indoctrination for everyone. Like when, when, when Nickelodeon... Puts a transgender person preaching, in essence, to young children that transgenderism is good. Do you have any idea how far we've come? That is the most dangerous of doctrines. It is a doctrine of devils. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says exactly that. Here's what he says in verse 20. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 20, he's talking to Corinth, which was a place of false fake worship, they had come to Jesus, but they were still dealing with some of the idolatry, still dealing with the the sexual boundaries that they had invited into their world. And then he says this, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And he says, and I, now watch this now, he's speaking to Christians. And he says, and I do not want you to be participants with demons, How can I be a participant with a demon if I'm a Christian? If you falsely worship, you will be. If I make up Jesus to anything I want Him to be, it's just not true. It's not true. And as a pastor, I need to warn you sometimes. I need to teach you. I need to warn you. I need to say, listen, that's not true. If a church tells you Jesus is nice, but there's so many different ways to heaven, they're a false prophet. If a, if a church says that the Bible is kind of a nice idea, but it's not authoritative, that's not a true church. If the church says, I affirm you in your sin, but never call you out of your sin, it's not a true church. It just isn't. Jesus loves everyone. I hope you hear this. Jesus died for everyone, but there's never one place in Scripture where He affirms someone in their sin. He doesn't go, I just keep doing it. Isn't that beautiful? Not one place. You would have to write that book yourself. He hung out with sinners. He hung out with people that were broken. He hung out with people with super questionable lifestyles. He hung out with, he allowed a woman of the night to wash his feet. She is a stripper. She's a prostitute. She is, he allows people who are stealing money, he spends time with them, but he doesn't say, oh, keep stealing. Keep doing that. Whatever you want to do, that's you, your choice. And then love Jesus. That's a fake Jesus. Woke Jesus is a fake Jesus. Woke Jesus is a fake Jesus. It, he, he is. See, what happened in Elisha's day, what happened in Israel has happened in this country. What was once in the shadows came out of the shadows and was tolerated what once was tolerated was accepted what was once accepted became mandated and then when it gets mandated anyone that speaks against it gets persecuted that was happening in Elisha's day that was the problem and the pattern of Elisha and he literally says that's not God In Acts chapter sixteen, sorry, sorry, Ephesians sixteen, sorry, Ephesians six. <laughs> Do I know the Bible at all? <laughs> Turn your Bible to Ephesians chapter fifty-five, please. <laughs> come on, Fernando, that's funny, big guy. Come on, come on. In Ephesians 6, he is speaking to the church at Ephesus. They have come out of idolatry. It was an idolatrous place. They get saved. They literally burn their books that were full of witchcraft and nonsense. And Bible says that, that the Lord prevailed mightily among them and he speaks to them in Ephesians 6 and he says, Be strong in the Lord a warrior call. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in His truth. And then he goes on to say, put on the belt of truth. Because I find if I don't put on the belt of truth, I end up putting on the belt of deception. He says you're going to put on the breastplate of righteousness if you don't put on the breastplate of righteousness, which which is a gift. Someone say it's a gift. But it does need to be lived out because He declares you righteous. So it's a gift that God gives me, but then I have to live that out. If I don't put on the breastplate of righteousness, I'll put on the breastplate of unrighteousness. It's the truth. In Acts chapter 15, there is... One of, the, one of the greatest, I think, discussions in the New Testament on what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So Jewish people were finding Jesus and obviously they were like, okay, we used to do all this stuff, the seven feasts of Israel, circumcision, our sideburns were a certain way. There were so many different things that they used to do. And they're like, okay, do we have to do all of these things and then believe upon Jesus? And many of them thought they did. And then those Jews began to speak to Gentiles, which is a non-Jew. All of us are Gentiles, unless you're a Jew. And he literally was like, okay, now you need to believe upon Jesus. Now you need to celebrate the feast. Now you need to get circumcised. Now you need to do your hair a certain way. And you need to do all these things. And they began to falsely show them what true worship was. So in Acts 15, we see the apostles literally get together and they had to say, listen, what is true worship? In Acts chapter 15, here's what the Bible says. This is the letter they took with them. This letter is from who? This letter is from who? So if anyone knows what true worship is, hopefully that's the apostles because they spent three years with Jesus and they are the founders and the apostles of the early church, right? They literally know what true worship is. They started this thing by the power of the Holy Spirit, didn't they? And so they they say to them, listen, this letter is from the apostles and elders, your brothers in Jerusalem. It is written uh, to the Gentile believers in those places. Next one. We understand that some men, someone say some men. men. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching. But then they say this, but we didn't send them. They were Jews trying to make sure Gentiles were doing everything else. Get circumcised, do your hair a certain way. Wear this, wear that, do the feasts. And they're literally like, okay, next verse, 25. 25. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, not just like a couple of us, complete agreement. Someone say that with me, complete agreement. agreement. This is the 12 apostles. They are in complete agreement on this letter. They literally say, having come to complete agreement to send you an official representatives, along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, Paul who saw the, uh, the risen Christ, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 27. We are sending Judas and Silas, not the one who betrayed Jesus, to confirm that we have decided concerning your question. In other words, like, hey, we've discussed this. We've talked about this. We wanted to find you what true worship is. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. In other words, they had prayed about this thing. They felt God's presence on it. They knew the anointing of God was on it. And then they say this, and to us to lay on you no greater burden on you than these few requirements. And so they lay out what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. And then they begin to bring in something that's interesting, verse 29, you must abstain from eating food offered to idols. What were they doing? They were saying, listen, idolatry, you ought to have nothing to do with it because it would lure you to false worship. That's the first thing. He says, you must abstain from eating uh, food offered to idols, from consuming blood of the meat of strangled animals. And there's a lot of theological talk on that. And, And I don't believe it's like, I like mistake medium. I don't know if they just would just bite into a cow before they cook the cow. I don't know. And then they say this, and from sexual immorality, if you do this, you will do well. Then they say farewell. And verse 31 says this, and there was great joy. Someone say great joy. There was great joy throughout the church that day as they had read this encouraging message because someone had come along and said, listen, do the seven feasts, get circumcised, especially when you're older, that's bad news. <laughs> and they were saying, listen, Jews and all this kind of stuff, they're saying, hey, you're going to do all this stuff plus believe in Jesus. And they're like, no, here's what believe in Jesus means. Put Him first, yeah. stay away from idols yeah. and stay away from sexual immorality. Stay away from it. Run from it. I love when I hear one of our men in a transformer be married and sorry, he'll be living with a girl. He's got two kids. He's like, man, we need to get married. I had someone this Wednesday. I need to get married right away. What is he he saying? Saying, I I came into this lifestyle and faith was not part of my everyday life. And now I need to come along and oh shoot. And and we don't barely talk about it. It's not like part of the primary teaching every time they come in, are you, are, you, are you sexually immoral? Are you? Put your hand up if you're sexually immoral right now. But I love that out of his own conviction and reading of Scripture, he goes, man, I, I better now live right. I better now leave. I, I better now get God's blessing. I... See, that's true worship. And I can't give you a fake Jesus. I can't give you some phony Jesus. I can't, I can't tell you Here's the the truth of being a pastor. I don't have authority. I do not have authority to change the morality of the Bible. And someone that tells you otherwise, it's lying. It's not true. There's a battle without. Man, I'm only on my first point. I've got three. How many are ready for three more hours? Come on, come on. Can I get one person go? Oh, no, I'm not. Get him on. <laughs> there's a battle within. There's a battle without in our faith, but there's a battle within. Someone say within. There's a battle without the cultural pull, the fleshly pull, the everything goes pull, but there's a battle within. And here's interesting 1 Kings 18, Elijah has one of the greatest victories in the Bible, and then First Kings 19, verse one says this: "When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he'd killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. Now stop for a second. Elijah has just killed 850 prophets, probably with some help. <laughs> Hopefully. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Now, how many of you know if you just killed like a hundred people and someone tells you, hey, I'm gonna kill you, you're like, this is what I do. (laughs) A woman has sent Him a message, I will kill you and it makes no sense. It is an irrational fear that all of a sudden this great man of God is afraid of this one woman. It makes no sense. Have Have you ever talked to someone who has an irrational fear I will mention no names, but I know someone who's tough and strong in so many ways, but they are irrationally afraid of moths. They're like, get it away, get it away. It can't kill you, it can't hurt you. It doesn't really do anything to you. I can't sleep at night if there's a moth. I'm like, it's just a moth. Leave him alone. I was over someone's house yesterday and they have a rational fear of frogs. They're not afraid of snakes, they're afraid of frogs. Like, please, and I went, there was a frog, got a little plastic bag, picked it up, and then I started walking towards the person, they ran in the house, squealing like a little girl. It is irrational. When Elijah gets told, I'm gonna kill you, it is irrational that He doesn't say, come get me. Except that He's physically, spiritually and emotionally burnt out. He has fought battles on the outside, but now He has the greatest battle, which is often the case. It is a battle on the inside. And then the Bible says in verse five, that He prays to die. He has had the greatest victory and then He literally prays. He says, then He lay down and slept under the broom tree, but as He was sleeping, an angel touched Him and told Him, get up and eat. Here's what I love about this. God takes a man who's physically, spiritually, relationally, and really just probably even calendar-wise just burnt out. And He says, God, kill me. And it says to you and to me, just because you got faith doesn't mean you don't go through hard times. Just because you've had battles doesn't mean just because you can pray, just because you can read the Bible, just because you've been in church all your life. That doesn't mean that you'll never go through an emotional hard time in your life. Elijah literally wants to die. But then God does this multi dimensional moment where if you've ever been sad or depressed you would get this the first thing he does is get him to adjust the physical part of his life hear me now if you've ever dealt with depression perhaps it is the number one diagnosed disease in America at the moment is depression And he asks him to take a physical adjustment, eat some cake. Someone say amen. Amen. This is angel cake, it makes you stronger, makes you faster, makes you more ripped. You had a six pack, go to an eight pack. When you you eat angel cake, that's the way it works. (laughs) Do you know when we have Nutella in heaven one day, you'll get more ripped? You just go, all right. (laughs) A physical adjustment. He then goes, to the mountain where God's spoken to him before, he has an environment adjustment. Your environment matters. An environment adjustment. you got to adjust your environment sometimes. If you're feeling low, feeling sad, feeling depressed, shut off the news. Shut off other voices. Get outside. Go for a walk. I went for a walk uh, in, in a place called Breakneck Mountain, which isn't a great name. Well, that's inviting, why don't we go there? But there's something about getting outside and seeing God's creation, God's beauty, isn't there? The the blue sky, the green. There was a environment adjustment. Elijah had to adjust his perspective. Someone say perspective. When you're tired, when you're burnt out, when, when you're feeling low, how many know that you often exaggerate how bad it is? Come on. He literally says to God, I'm the only one left. And He's not the only one. He just caused a revival the day before. So everyone's coming back to God. He should have been like, yee, everyone's coming back to you. He's like, I'm the only one. Does a pity party. What I love about God is He doesn't doesn't strike him for having a pity party. He doesn't say, how dare you share your true emotions with me. No, He lets him do that. Because there's healing sometimes in letting it out. But how many know you need to let it out sometimes and then you need to go, that was dumb. It's not true. There's a perspective adjustment. Then there is this strategic leadership adjustment. God sends His presence. Here's what's interesting, God sends His presence and it doesn't fix him. This to me is amazing because how many know the presence of God heals you? But the presence of God does not heal him in that moment. It gives him a right perspective and then he gives him purpose. See, you often get lonely, you often get depressed when you've lost your purpose. So then all of a sudden he has lost his purpose. Now all of a sudden he's to anoint two kings and the next prophet. So he's to serve someone else. You know, one of the greatest ways to actually get happier is serve someone else, encourage someone else, send a text message to someone else. Hey, I just wanna let you know, I'm thinking of you, praying for you. How many of you know all of a sudden you get some back? You're like, I, I needed that. <laughs> if I ever send you a text message, you're like, oh, he must be feeling sad. <laughs> I'm kidding. Warriors are needful of wisdom and power. The power of God, I believe for it in our church. I believe we're a power of God church. I believe for the power of God in our lives. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We need to be filled. We need to be clothed with the power of God. But we are a wisdom of God church. We need God's wisdom. And God's wisdom says, I need mentors. I need, I need structure changes. I need adjustment changes. I need to adjust my schedule. I need to adjust my health sometimes. I need to adjust my friends sometimes. Let's be a power of God church, but let's be a wisdom of God church. Are you with me? Gosh, I'm way over time. Friday I went walking on Breakneck Mountain. Went with a couple of friends, I went with Benjamin. And um, when you go on this mountain, there's a little white chalk or white paint places on the rocks because someone has been there before us and they tell you the easier way to go or the harder way to go so that you don't get lost. And then we bumped into two elder gentlemen and they had gotten lost, which is awkward. And the only thing we could do was point them back to the map. So we could do we say, listen, you're lost, but you need to get back to the map. Someone has gone before us. Someone did meet God. It was Abraham. Someone did meet God. It was Moses. Someone did meet God. It was was Israel. Someone did meet God. It was John the Baptist. Someone did meet God. It was Jesus. Someone did meet God. It was Paul. It was James. It was the apostles. And they wrote it down in a book. I just want to tell you today, this book is for you. It's not against you. It is a map so that you would climb the mountain of God, that you wouldn't get lost, that you wouldn't fall off. And we are wise if we listen. You're one decision away from being wise. You're one decision away from being wise. Just, just listen again to His word. Coming all across this place, would you stand on your feet? Close your eyes with me. I feel like there's three groups of people in this place. There's some people and you feel the pull of culture. You feel the war without. And it's stretching and it's pulling your faith. And it normally goes like this. Did God really say? Did God really say this? One way to heaven, did God really say that I have to listen to Him in my morals? Did God really say? And the culture pulls so loud and shouts so loud. And it almost overwhelms us sometimes. But I wanna tell you today, listen. Listen to the real Jesus. Don't listen to the fake. Don't listen to the compromised. They're trying to get you to worship a fake Jesus, a false Jesus. There's others of you today. Maybe this season has been a hard season. This last nine months has been a hard season. And you feel like you've been empty and you feel like perhaps you've been almost exaggerant on the inside how bad it is. And I just want to tell you today, Elijah was there. Don't feel bad about that. Elijah was there. You need to make some adjustments. You might need to adjust the physical side of your life. You need to get in the presence of God more often. You need to get some wisdom around your life. Would you open your hands to Heaven as a sign of just surrender? I declare there's a river in this place, a river of truth and a river of grace, a river of healing. I declare the presence of God is in this place right now refreshing to weary souls. Let people leave this place with thankful heart, thankful spirit, a praising spirit, new perspective and new purpose in this place. Oh Jesus, I ask You to touch Your people. I ask You to touch Your people. I thank You for it, I thank You for it. Acts 319 says, Repent then and turn to God so that times of refreshing might come from the presence of the Lord. Lord, let a change of mind happen in this place, let a change of heart happen in this place so that times of refreshing might come from the Lord. Online, let a times of refreshing come from the Lord as you change your mind and say, Jesus, again, I need You. Jesus, You're the way. Jesus, You're the truth. Jesus, You're the life. I surrender to You. I thank You, Lord. I thank You, Lord. I thank You, Lord. Meet people where they need it. Meet people where they need it. Oh, we just thank you. Meet people where they need it. Let's declare this together. Say, I declare today that your truth and your grace is always the best for me. I declare, I am your child. I declare, I get up. Help me make the adjustments that I need to make so that I might fulfill my purpose in Jesus' Name. Eyes closed in this place. If you've never met Christ in this place, he's here his presence is here you may have grown up in church Catholic Christian non-religious never been to church before or been a thousand times let me ask you a simple question do you know you're a Christian do you know you're a child of God if you don't today It'd be the honour of my life to lead you in a simple prayer. That prayer will lead you to the real Jesus, not the fake Jesus, the authentic Jesus. Come on all across this place. We're going to pray a simple prayer and that prayer will lead you to a person. If you're far away from God or you don't know if you know God, in this place we're going to say a simple prayer and that prayer can change your life forever. Come on, let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I declare today that i need you i declare you my lord you my savior be my best friend from this day let me know you help me know you help me obey you help me follow you in your powerful name well eyes are closed all across this place. If you meant business with God in the count of three, would you quickly raise your hand? One, two, three. Quickly. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All across this place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of hands going up all across this place. We'll put it high enough, long enough for me to see it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Those in the back, those in the front, those in the middle. It's awesome today. You can put your hand down right now. Father, I pray for every hand, every heart in the powerful, powerful name of Jesus. Would you touch your people and bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe God. Come on, put your hands together for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Amen. 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 Thanks be.